Saturday we'll see a host of top names in Gaelic Games come to Park near Vera in Quilty for a coaching conference organised by Evan Talty under his IGAA coach company. One of those who will be talking to the coaches there is the five-time All-Ireland winner with Kerry, Aidan O'Mahony, who was, of course, recently featured on the TG Cahar Laker Gwale series. The Rat Moorman, also a former Dancing with the Stars champion, where one of his fellow finalists that year is a woman, of course, with strong clear connections in Avian Garrahy. I started by asking Aidan, how was it that even on the dance floor, the Kerry man still managed to get the upper hand on the neighbours? <laughs> Would you believe I didn't even think of that? Um... <laughs> Yeah, Jesus, yeah, it is, it was a, it's five years ago now or six years ago nearly, like, so it is a, it is a long, long time ago. Um, interesting times. I was laughing. I was looking at the Lake Gale the last night and I see Don, he's interviewing the big laugh out of him when he actually heard I was going dancing. I think that was, uh, I think, on most people's minds, I'd say. But no, it was actually, it was a great thing to do. Um, I suppose, look, it's like no different to sport. When you get to, I suppose, semifinals and finals, you always want to win, but... Um, yeah, it was it was a nice project, I suppose. For me personally, it probably filled the void. When you play football, a lot of people talk about that. When you finish playing football, whether it's club or county, um, you talk about that that void. Like so, it was a it was a nice stress to add in there just to to fill that void. <laughs> yeah, I love Donna his comment as well. That uh, something to the effect of typical Mahoney, sure he only wins and won the bloody thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. Look, I my son Kieran will be very close down through the years. Um, <clears throat> we've been deep battles, I suppose, with club and. Obviously, we carry as well. We'd have marked each other last time, but um, no, look, I, I think, especially with sport, um, I, I'm always saying that, like with the, the whole carry thing, and I suppose with any county that, you know, when you put on a, a county jersey, you become very determined and driven, and, um, you know, that kind of follows you in life as well with sport and, you know, your, I suppose, everyday, I suppose, job. And it's a good thing, and I suppose, like, one thing with carry, and I, I'm always saying this is not an ignorance, I suppose, it's because of the carry golden years that, when you actually put on a jersey and if you don't win all earned it's seen as a failure like so look that was driven into us from a young age when you're kind of starting off with Kerry and it's something that follows you through I suppose to everything you do in life Yeah I was going to I was going to maybe talk um, maybe through the Laker Gale later on in the interview but just mm-hmm. as you bring it up like I have to say one of my favourite parts was the local vet recounting the story of seeing you trying to get up the hill on the tractor as a young fella and that it kind of in a lot of ways maybe that little moment was a microcosm of what was to follow in your life you you struggled up an awful lot of hills but in fairness you got right to the top and out the far side Yeah I suppose look when it becomes a pattern in your life um, you find a way to I suppose to overcome it or to get through it. Um, I was laughing myself when he was telling that story. <laughs> um, I was thinking first, I, I, I remember that old kind of massive Ferguson tractor. I think there was three wheels in it, so that might be in the, the part <laughs> of the story as well. But um, yeah, look, I suppose, it, like as I said, like on Lake Gale, um, like football wasn't a big part of my life at a young age. It wasn't, you know, I suppose nowadays when you're watching David Clifford's and all these guys and the own Clearies from Clare and stuff like that, you know, young lads want to follow in their footsteps. Um, so, um, like, as I said, I was knocking more on James out of soccer as well because my, I suppose, my older brothers were playing in it. But, look, I was lucky enough. And I think it's it's probably a learning curve as well when we talk about development squads now and young players and, I suppose, the pressures that are on them that, you know, some things can just happen for you. You know, you don't need to be playing minor or playing on the 20 with the county to not necessarily play senior. And, look, I, I'm, I'm one of those kind of advocates now that I'm saying if your child, whether they want to go dancing or gymnastics or anything like that they'll always kind of find their own kind of way in life and what they want to do instead of kind of pressure pressurize them into like i know myself derek from having two little girls here at home the last thing i'll be doing is carrying them down to football field because i want them to follow in dad's footsteps um i'll take them to gymnastics i'll take them to swimming 
I take him to everything they want to play, um, but I won't be forced him to kind of play something that I played myself. Yeah, I suppose that's maybe from your own experience. I think a lot of people, Aidan, would have been surprised to hear you admitting that as a young fella, football wasn't something that was really on your radar. No, like we used to go up to the door at nine o'clock in the morning and we'd come home at 11 o'clock at night. There was four or five neighbours and it was like the old times where you'd eat in the, the, the neighbour's house. If it was around five o'clock, it was, it was a common thing. And... Um, you know, we we spend more time climbing trees and up mountains and whatnot, and that's that's who we were. I I sound like an awful mountainy man now, but that's <laughs> who we were. We we grew up on farms, and yeah. we knew we knew our summer times were were uh, in in the bog and cutting hay, and um, that was it. And like football, as I said, the asthma thing obviously was a big burden as well. And I I knew it last night. You know, even talk about like we had great teachers growing up where they knew given 20 minutes there it was like a token gesture because they were afraid that something happened and uh, that was fine too you know it was part of my life as, as I said last of the time I was sick and um, you know it's trying to learn and get through those things and uh, look I was very lucky as well you need I'm always saying if you're winning all irons or anything like that you need a bit of luck and a good fortune and probably that through my career as well yeah, I think a lot of people as well, Aidan, would have noticed that when you were out uh, for that clip hunting in the, the sheep, the, the white runners that you'd on that day, I'd say they wouldn't do in the depths of winter. Yeah, would you believe now, Derek, I, I was saying to my brother Noel, um, I said, what are the chances that one day he'd be up there, he'd be dosing the sheep? I said, we were very fortunate now to have the whole thing. <laughs> but I said, what are the chances that I'd land with a pair of white converse? And uh, yeah, don't worry, that, that was the... the I think the most messages I got her about the last, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but it was, but it was obviously, and like that was our childhood. Like my brother Noel, um, you know, he had the farm from a young age, and he picked me up from school every Monday to Friday and the weekends, and off we go. And like the great learning curve I always got from, from growing up in a sheep farm is when you went out the hill, and there's a hill out there, it's miles upon miles, and it goes into the wilderness, and there's three or four of us have claimed to the so all there's a couple of thousand sheep out there. But like he taught me from a young age, like you you might bring in a hundred and you might have a hundred and two or three sheep, but you'd go back out for those three. You'd never leave them behind you. And it kind of lays, I suppose, the foundation. Then when I actually joined Kerry, when I started off, and you wouldn't be able to able for the runs and stuff. And then when you were getting older and you were getting more experience, you actually wouldn't leave no one behind you. And it became a kind of a thing. Even I see through football and through sport where. The most important thing you can do all the workshops and game days and scenarios and everything, but the biggest thing like is bringing everyone with you. Yeah, and that, and that really struck me as well. I I because I'd, I'd met Kieran Donaghy before through various things, including um an event there at the Armada Hotel for the uh, Irish Open that he was at as well. But like it really struck me that a fella like him said something to the effect of that they felt during your tough times that they weren't as good teammates as they maybe could have been. So, like, that just, to me, was a real example of the kind of bond you had and the responsibility that you felt for each other. Yeah, but there was a responsibility to win. Um, you know, even for me that time, like, Kieran, I think, was being, I'd say, too nice for me. Um, like, I was like a closed book, and I wasn't opening up to players. I think they're different generation now because of sports psychology and everything. It was back there, a small bit, when I was playing. But I didn't use it, um, you know, because I, obviously I had that exterior look that I, I thought I needed to kind of follow through with. And um, no, like players are there to win. Like I'm always saying, when you come into a, a county panel first, you have to be selfish because number one, you need to get your foot in the door. So it needs to be about you. Number two, then when you do get in there, it's about the group. And number three, for a part of the, the, the year, it's about you again because you want to get on that championship team and wanting to get on that team 
means you're pushing other people and it's, it's just getting into that mindset and I just think now I know from I suppose being involved with Kerry underage and all these kind of different structures support psychology is a huge part where they get players to open up to each other and the more you can get to know someone the more people and players let down their guard I think the more trust you have going to a pitch that you know that they're there for you like so look it's becoming huge in sport Eric like all these things are kind of all factoring and I suppose everything comes at a cost in as well I guess you experienced it maybe at the start of the the deep sort of focus now that's on players at inter-county level. Maybe the the online thing maybe hadn't struck as much, we'll say, during your period, but like you hear it now an awful lot from players that they nearly stay away from social media after matches and maybe altogether because there's very rarely anything much positive on it. Like, And the spotlight now on, on those kind of guys in the public eye, it must be three, four, five times as hard to deal with. Oh, absolutely. And like in 2008, if I was on social media, I was the latest developer to social media, thank God. But if I was on in 2008, I, I don't know if I've ever kicked the ball again. But, um, you know, and it's gas, like the, the thing about 2008, we'll say after the diving incident and hailer incident, people are always very quick to, to message you and let you know in case, just in case you didn't know. And um, I suppose for me nowadays, I think people are getting more braver. I think you've got plenty of keyboard warriors where they're tagging players um, after games and stuff. And like, I know what people say, look, they're in the public eye and they're on social media and they're making their profiles out of it. But at the same time, you know, they have to go home to have families, they have to go home to work. Um, you know, they're going out there day in, day out, representing their counties, their clubs, their families. And I think that's the biggest thing. They have families at home. You know, no player goes out there. And I know I've done plenty of wrongdoings myself and plenty of regrets to look back on. But no player goes out to do something intentionally and... I just think it's nowadays people, especially on Twitter, I see myself, it's just a negative platform where, you know, the more negative you can be, the more retweets you get. And um, I, for me, I kind of, I really kind of stay off it as such because I I kind of like it from the, I suppose, S&C side and the coaching side of it. I think there's brilliant stuff on it mm. when it's done properly. But then I see times where people are questioning this and questioning that. And I'm always one of those people that, you know, if it works for you or if it works for a team, you know, then you shouldn't be questioned. But look, that's the the beauty of Twitter. I think people use it a lot of times just for the for the wrong reasons. Yeah, as you said, there are some brilliant resources on it though, like like Sir Ray Boyne and these people at the analysis kind of really yeah. uh, jumps to mind. I think during the lockdown as well, was there videos of yourself abroad in the pouring rain doing push ups to stay active? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and I got a good uh, plenty of stick <laughs> for that as well. Like, and uh, they say when you have a tree and a four year old inside the window, the last thing you're going to be doing is press ups inside in the kitchen. But <laughs> yeah, I got plenty of stick for it, and Derek. And uh, look, um, as I said, I, I can deal with these things now. <laughs> it's amazing what gets people going. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, but it. it fitness is a huge part of your life obviously you have the personal training business as well uh, AOM Fitness if I'm not mistaken um, to give that yeah. a bit of a plug as well but that's probably the, the, the basis then to come around to the the, uh, the workshop on Saturday as to what you'll be kind of focusing on uh, the physical demands uh, on the modern day player which again you know in the last decade even the last two or three years I'd imagine the dynamics behind that has changed beyond all recognition Huge yeah and, and I think when I was talking to Evan Evan's a very tough man to say no to and um, <laughs> Like I suppose the great thing for me now is I've Evan um, on my backroom team here now down in Kerry as well with the Dr. Crokes hurlers and look, I know Evan for years, I've been very close to him and um, I think the work he's doing at the moment is fantastic. Um, you know, he just has a great head for it as well and great interest. So we'd be on the phone to each other a couple of times a day. But look, for me, I, I think the reason I got started on this, Derek, is that when you finish playing into county footballer, as an intercounty footballer, sometimes say, oh, this fellow went into coaching this and what's his background. For me, 
I wanted to learn both sides. So I love the coaching side of it. I love the managing side of it. But I needed to learn the S&C side of it. So I started with Stanta College in 2016. I have two and a half years into my degree done. Then I started the United Kingdom um, Strength Conditioning course, accreditation through um, Kerry J. And out of the four parts, I have one part two, which is an MCQ. It's 50 questions. So I wanted to see both sides and kind of, I suppose, gel them together then from why you do such a thing. So I started working now with um, Joaquin. He's actually a new place in Castellane. It's called The Clinic. And we screen and test teams. And for me, um, I think Saturday, what I said to um, Evan was, look, there's no point me going on the pitch when you have Mick Bayan and Eventality. So I said, you know, let's do let's do a, a kind of a presentation, but let's leave it an open forum for coaches and S&C coaches and people, especially from clubs, to come in and say, right, how can I get, how can I test a team from start to finish? So you want to test them day one on their yo-yo tests and their back squats without having to put a massive budget for a club. Because I see lots of clubs, you know, a lot of them have co- they're playing coaches up there, playing managers, and then they can't do the gym because they can't afford it. So I said to Evan, you know, instead of me going up um, preaching this and that, go up there and say, right, um, these are the croaks horrors here. Um, this is what I'm doing with them at the moment. I screen and test them. These are the exercises I've done. These are the ones I've done on the pitch, and this is how you can do them easily. These are the results, and now we've retested them, and this is what they've got how the program was designed around it and what, as you said there, the demands of the game and like the basics that a club manager can go away and say, you know, I'm not spending another couple of grand on this and see coach or I don't need to have the, the burden of trying to bring someone else in and I can run these tests off and players from clubs and are saying, Jesus, this is great. You know, we did this test here. We did it again in six weeks and we saw the results are going up. So something like that, Derek, I think it'd be different because Look, we know it in the county, you have everything there for you. You have your gyms and your testing equipment and everything. But I just think for the clubs at times, because we're all trying to catch up now, and like sometimes it's all money, 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 where, as I said to Evan, I think it'd be nice that if you have 100 coaches there next day, you might have 30 or 40 from clubs, and they'd say, you know, I can take away that test now. I can go home now next Sunday morning and do a bronco run or a yo-yo intermittent test. Um, you can do a vertical jump or um, a horizontal jump and know how to do it and the reason why it and players saying geez that's great that's something new you know because players we're all very competitive and we love seeing numbers and we always want to be in the top but sometimes you're down the bottom and you're not too sure well doing these simple tests will actually give you a kind of a helping hand for that if that makes sense I know there's a lot in that but I suppose that's the kind of way of coming at it yeah and I guess you, you would have seen then I suppose with all your dealings in particular club player, like even the club player now that's maybe not even operating at the top level but they've probably become that little bit more educated on themselves and it probably makes breaking the ground then on those first couple of nights a little bit easier because there's already a kind of a base understanding of, of what they've been spoken to about there is yeah and like the best thing for, for players is that I'm always saying you'll, you'll get the best in the world from players. And like for club players especially, look, families, time out. It's different from inter-county, you know, where, you know, everything's there for you. The, the dinner's there every night and stuff like that. So I, I'd be kind of conscious then with club players that if you give them any small bit of feedback at all, Derek, where you can show them where they are and where they've gone to. Or else when we retest teams, you, can, you know fairly quick who's not working and who is working that... You're not having that disagreement that you have it down in paper in front of them saying, look, you did your yo-yo intermittent there, level two, and you got 18.3 in November in your pre-season. And then you're retesting in January and 90% of your players have gone up and then the one player has gone backwards. Then it's an easy one for yourself then as well. And it's like, I suppose, the stuff we're doing in the gym as well. Like, um, 
I do a lot where I'd always concentrate on strength, speed, power. I always have those three things in the program. And then it's a case of, depending on the time of the year, obviously you're off-season, you're focusing more on max strength. Um, you're in-season, it's more power and speed. And you can actually explain to players by going through like these testing results, why they're doing such a thing. And for me, like I'll always supervise the gym. I just think for club players, when you're putting a bit more time into them and doing these small little things, it brings them on to another new level. Yeah, that will be the focus of the workshop on Saturday. If people want to hear more, they can come along. Uh, details on the uh, IGA coach, you'll find it on social media. Tickets available there. Aidan, before we uh, sign off, just to get your thoughts, I suppose, on, on the football uh, scene as it is at the moment. Obviously, we're in the, the throes of the National League. Some would say that maybe for a lot of counties, it's championship season now, given that they won't have uh, you know, much focus down the, the line. But uh, now that you have a familiar man back anyway in the kingdom since uh, last August or thereabouts, uh, what's the thoughts on, on the Kerry lads? That's good. Like, um, the performance last day against Monaghan was, um, was very, I suppose, pleasing from a Kerry sports point of view. Um, obviously you see Polly Clifford coming back in there and I, 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 I kind, you can kind of see like there's a, there's a buzz about this group at the moment there's fierce competition for places but look it's, it's early days yes uh, Derek we won't be we won't be getting carried away down here you know they had a tough day out the first day against Donegal um, they needed to win and Jack would have known the last day to get the two points against Monaghan like, and they were obviously under strength as well they were missing Conor McManus and Jack McCarran and these guys so Look, I, I suppose winning is a habit and it's good to get a result at home there in front of the home crowd. They have two weeks now of a break, which means they'll probably train hard. And um, the league, it, it's it's hard to judge the league because I suppose different teams are going to be out at different times. You know, like Ulster, like, um, are they, like, it, it's very hard to know what kind of blocks of training teams are in now at the moment. And look, I know there's an awful lot of talk about Sigerson and stuff there in the last couple of weeks. And I know myself, I was involved with 3IT last year. Sigerson's a brilliant competition. Jesus, I remember from my own time, it was the, it was the stepping stone from, I suppose, club football to into county. That if you played well in Sigerson, you know, you're you're pitting yourselves against the best county players. And I see that the moment is kind of pushed in, or different with the Fitzgibbon, like um, it's kind of pushed into a window, where it's not give you the fair respect it deserves. Because I know a lot, even the county lads that play it, they love it. It's a brilliant competition. It's great to have a Sigerson medal and stuff like that. But like that, so kind of teams at the moment, they're kind of in, in twos and threes. But look, the league, I always found the league um, was probably one of the best uh, kind of championship modes because everyone at this time of the year is near the same level because the pitches are heavier. <laughs> so when you were getting older, the, the playing field was a lot better. But you see the crowds, you see the, the atmosphere above in Armagh the last, uh, you know, between uh, Armagh and Mayo. You know, like those, it's just brilliant at the moment. I think the J is, is in a very healthy place as in with games and the, the level and the commitment that the players are giving. And I see it myself, they're, they're gone to a level now where it's nothing but professional-like. And it's, uh, it's it'll be a very entertaining year. And we know down here in Kerry, I suppose, a lot of the spotlight will be on doing back-to-back. And Jack will probably have that in the back of his mind. But I suppose the biggest part of the football year won't kick off until, you know, the group stages or when the, the Munster Championship starts. And look, I see... Even yourselves, Bob and Claire, there, and I know in the cock and all the lads, and I see the work they've been doing. You were down a good few players last day playing meat and the performance, and you know they've been brilliant the last couple of years. I know a lot of those guys, so it's it's you're you're really looking forward to the year. Um, as I said, I think a lot of teams won't show their hands in the league. I think they'll give players plenty of game time and stuff. And um, then championship, look, as I say, when you win all Ireland, you're up the top there to be knocked off. 
and it's getting maybe that those three or four new players in that can keep players kind of energised and fresh and kind of looking over their shoulder that you need to kind of do to suppose to win back to back. That is Kerry and dancing legend Aidan O'Mahony there at tomorrow's coaching conference with IGA coach in Quilty. Uh, more details available on the IGA coach social media channels on that one.